beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And then there was the internet, and social media, and then the thirst for radio made a comeback in a big way, and man created podcasts, and it was good. Hello, and welcome to Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. I am Melanie, a pagan. I say this at the forefront just in case this is your first time listening to us and are afraid that you may have stumbled upon a religious show. This ain't it, my friend. And if that's what you want, you may want to look elsewhere. With me is my beautiful heathen and best friend from across the pond, Danielle. Jesus, Lord Jehovah, I have missed your face. Thanks. It's a new face as well. It's, a, it's an entirely new face. It's like I've, I, I don't recognize you. Yeah, I know. I've got a whole new piece of um, machinery on my face. <laughs> I'm talking about my glasses. Yeah, I was going to say glasses in case, just in case it wasn't clear. <laughs> should have said like material culture on my face, but oh. then people would have, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> what are you growing <laughs> on your face? Yeah. <laughs> We're a bit out of practice because we've not recorded in over a month. It's been so long. Did you have a nice Christmas? I did. I went to Disneyland, as you all know, and it was raining on the first day. And on the second day, God said, no, I'm just joking. Um, And on the second day, it was really, really, really cold. But the only warm coat that I had brought got soaking wet from the rain of the previous day. So I went through this whole day with a very light sweater, which was insufficient. Uh, so I ended up being really, really, really sick up until, like, I'm still having gnarly cough. So if I hork into the fo- into the microphone, you just hear me, like, you know, gasping for breath. Uh, that's why. My, my lungs are still, like, spelling. I am also resting my voice. I've got a bit of a radio tone going on at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and that will become clear after we've done the thing, because I'm going to talk about why I'm talking so calmly. Well, so let's just dive into the thing then, I suppose. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I guess my thing, and if, you, if you're new to this, the thing is basically where we, we share something positive. We, we used to have a purge where we shared something that we were struggling with or, or just something that was going on in our, our day-to-day life. We've turned it into more of a positive thing. Because we want to be positive, especially starting this new year. Happy 2020, BTW. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's let's just take a positive tone here. And for me personally, I have really tapped into my witchy roots, and I'm actually pursuing getting paid for being a witch. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Have you made much money yet? I have. I started doing paid tarot readings, just small, like three card readings. Uh, 10 bucks a pop because I'm still just getting into it and I've already made like 50 bucks so and that's only been I've only been doing it a week hey you know you could always ask your shop master if he would wouldn't mind you making flyers for the desk well he wants me to do readings for the store but the problem is I don't have my deck memorized so I wouldn't be able to just like read your cards without checking my references kind of thing well what if you said that it was amateur rate so like you're learning and that's why it's cheap and that if you wanted to have like because you've never had a tarot reading before you can have your reading done by someone who's learning and then it's less intense kind of thing and cheaper yeah Uh, it's not unheard of 
Yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm doing on, on the online forum and, and through the process memorizing my deck. So It's kind of like getting apprentice rates when you go to, like, a tattooist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. I'm I'm still not totally comfortable doing it human to human yet. I'm cool. I'm much more comfortable with just like send me your question and I'll do my reading and I'll send you what it what I read. Well, there's an entire online community of people that do that, so I can see you becoming successful at it. So hell yeah, oh, and and oh. everyone I've read for is just like, oh my god, you're really good at this. Like, oh yay, <laughs> woo. Yeah. Yep. This is this is good for you yeah no and it was really kind of cool because i i decided that this was the path that i wanted to take and danielle you helped me so much come up with sort of like the title of what it is that i aim to be which is a cunning woman reference our uh what was it our um curses uh quite a few so it'll be in our um, ask a pagan episode it'll be in the witches one and Mm. i think it'll also be in omens and whenever we talk about witches when did I do the archaeology of witchcraft? I think that was uh, the Witch's Curses episode. Witch's Curses, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, I believe it was that episode where Danielle goes into a little bit of what a cunning woman is. Um, basically, it's just a healer, just just the the average healer healer witch. Um, and yeah, fuck yeah. So I, I am going to be a paid well. cunning woman. And I made this decision on the full moon. And as soon as I made that decision, three people wanted paid readings from me and I got my period. So it was like a weird, like, yeah. Mother. Yeah. It, it felt like a sign. Yeah. <laughs> the earth mother was telling you. Yeah. Or it could yes. be confirmation bias and a complete coincidence. It, it came four days <laughs> earlier than it should have. I'm only messing, but you know me. I know. But yeah, so that's my good news. I'm just really stoked about it, and and it could be lucrative and also really good for my soul. Yes, as long as you don't um, have to read assholes all the time. Yeah, that's that's you know you can't pick and choose your clients for the most part. That's but the once, once, if if I go from being just a tarot reader into like a proper cunning woman, then I'll be able to pick and choose my clientele a little bit better. I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be like a companion of witches. I pick I pick who I want to you know guide. You have to be referred, and you can't just like pick. <laughs> you have to have like a business card that's been given to you by a former client. Yeah, with like a little sign, a little symbol on it. If it doesn't have yeah. that symbol, it's not valid. Yeah. yeah. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> So let's hear your thing. My thing is, it's going to sound like I'm having a moan, but I'm not. I'm in a lot of pain. Oh. I My back is killing me. My muscles all in my lower back and through like my rib cage, um, my hips, my knees, my thighs, my arms, all my muscles are killing me. I lost my voice nearly all day yesterday, or at least just like the high notes. And I feel uh, pretty shitty. But the reason for that is because I went to a really, really fucking good gig on Saturday night. Yeah. So it started off I was really grumpy. And then I just decided to say to myself, fuck it, have fun anyway. And Mm. then I did. So I just like switched like probably about 20 minutes into it and that's probably because they were being so brilliant the band that i went to see is called (laughs) elvana yeah an an elvis fronted nirvana cover band 
Fuck um, yeah. <laughs> so the lead singer's dressed up like Elvis and they do Nirvana tunes that then also like bleed into being Elvis tunes and then he like dances around like Elvis all the time instead of being Kurt or whatever. Um and they had um these twins girls doing backing vocals that are called Talk Like Tigers and they were brilliant. And the opening band were called Oh My God, It's the Church, and they were brilliant, and it was just a brilliant gig all the way through. I just had to, like, moan about the fact that 10% of the people in the crowd, which is quite a significant chunk of people, were recording the gig on their phones at any given time. I wanted to start throwing things at people. It is so selfish. And I'm telling you this right now, people listening, if you record concerts on your phone, you're... (laughs) And... I'm, I'm, you are horrible. I think we need to get together as a society and tell everyone that we've decided that that's not something you're allowed to do. Yeah. It's rude. Like smoking inside, no smoking inside. Farting yeah. in people's faces, no farting in people's faces. Recording gigs, you're not allowed to record gigs. No, put your phone in your freaking pocket or your handbag and enjoy the concert. Yeah, Be there. that moment. Yes. So my phone stayed in my pocket for the entire gig until the very last moment where people were leaving. And I took probably the best picture I've ever taken in my life of the detritus and um, aftermath of this gig. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, go check it out. It's really fucking good. But I decided I was in the moment and I danced and I jumped and I screamed and I sang the lyrics back and I did fists and I did this and I, I I didn't mosh because I was stood behind um a man who was basically a fridge. Yeah. So um I think in another life he's probably a bouncer or some other kind of like hefty but he just was a a, a human fridge with a turnip on his on on top. It was just and he didn't move except for to like block my view so I had a lot of <laughs> negative things going on that I had to overcome in order to enjoy myself but you one... still enjoyed yourself I'm so yes. happy <laughs> yes yes I, d- I had to force myself to stop being so grumpy um, and I was in a lot of pain a lot because we were stood I mean I stand for 10 minutes and my leg starts to hurt but I, we were stood in this sort of area for like three or four hours yeah three four hours seven eight nine ten eleven oh four hours going on five so um at one point when I did decide to jump (laughs) the very first time I jumped up and down it was like I got stung in the back by a jellyfish (laughs) so many nerves in my back went no what are you doing (laughs) so not only that because I was singing so loud I just killed my voice but it was so worth it because I think every so often you just need to get it out. Yeah. Um, I needed that. I, I had wanted this for a long time. I'd needed it. I needed to get it out. And now I'm kind of like coming down from it a little bit, but I just think that because I'd be coming so grumpy and so negative all the time. And I was even grumpy and negative in there. Believe me. Like I had to fight, like I had to fight my grumpiness and my and my depression, basically. Yeah. To have a good time, but God, it's so worth it, people. Just like 
that moment where you click and you realize that you're having a good time and you're not thinking about anything but that moment even if it only lasts for three hours like you can live off that for for months yeah yeah it took a lot for me to get out and do that it the whole thing of it is not only letting go of being a grumpy Gus, but also the the self-consciousness of people seeing you doing it yeah. and I even like I think at one point apologized to Turner for embarrassing him and he was like what are you talking about I was so happy that you were having a good time oh I'm gonna cry <laughs> that's oh. that's it so that's the positive thing that I want to bring is that as much as as much as it um is difficult when you're suffering with depression, when you suffer from low self-esteem, when you suffer from grumpiness and <laughs> basically being a cantankerous git like me, that moment where you go, fuck it, I'm going to have fun, and you have fun, it's worth it. It's worth it. Oh, it's I'm so happy. It's frog, man. What can I say? <laughs> so also, go see Olvana when they tour your area, because they do tour, they do tour the States. Nice. So. Uh, that, no, that sounds like super fun. Oh, it's so fun. I think Kurt would approve. Fuck yeah. Random side note. Okay, so my my birthday is coming up. By the time this episode airs, I will be 34. My birthday is on the 17th. And um, on the 17th, uh, there's this movie. I don't know if I ever showed it to you, but it's completely bizarre. Like, I believe it was 90s or early 2000. Alex Winter movie uh, called Freaked. Right. I do, I do know it where his face is like, fucked up yeah 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 so he was like a kid actor who's who's just a total douchebag piece of crap and he ends up going to a freak show and becoming a freak and it is just one of my favorite fucking movies my dad was friends with the director i used to hang out at his house and play basketball and like i just i'm so excited but there the egyptian theater is having a uh showing of it and a record release uh soundtrack release party um for that movie so I may actually do a thing for my birthday, which is really exciting. Wow. Yeah. The last few years have been like me waking up to cold McDonald's and that was kind of my birthday. Mm, yeah. A few years in a row, I've had like a glass of wine in the bath and sobbed. But so, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what's the matter with me? <laughs> I'm just getting old. Everything hurts. And I'm just tired all the time. <laughs> Fuck. <coughs> no, this year this year is going to be a positive year of growth and fun and and building up who we are and taking down the establishment, but that's a whole other thing. And yeah, so woo, I'm excited. Yeah, mine is mine is gonna be having the courage to uh, not care what other people think about me. Um, in a good way, not in a like I'm gonna be like sassy bitch. That's different. Yeah, when you stop when you stop giving a shit, God, your life just gets so much more fun. I imagine so. When you're yeah. not second guessing yourself all the time. Yeah, I'm not even I mean, talking about giving having permission to tell people what I think. That's not what I mean. There's like different levels. What I mean is that just like I just will do things for myself and not really care whether or not you approve. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, me and Danielle, we we've basically growing up together you remember how fucking wrecked i was i was terrified of everyone and everything i still am yeah yeah but there was there was just this moment where i was just all like oh wow all these people that i'm so concerned about their opinions 
I will likely never, ever see again. So I don't care. And it was just like, it was, it was an epiphany. And, and ever since then, it's just like, oh, wow, if you don't like me, it doesn't matter because I'll probably never see you again anyway. So buh bye <laughs> like, Hello, tip of the hat. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, well, well, that's basically going to be my affirmation for the year. I don't like calling it a New Year's resolution because that's kind of old hat. I think and, that and um, affirmation is better, isn't it, really? Oh, yeah. So I am going to have the courage to not care what people think about me. That's yeah, my baby. affirmation this year. But I care so much. I care so, so much. Just like me, please. We all like you a lot. I'm just, just saying. I love you so much. Thanks, Melanie. I love you too. <laughs> right, shall we breathe and get on with it? All right, yes. Yeah, so on the count of three, let's take a deep breath. One, two, three. Oh. Yeah. Isn't it weird how um, it... Um, doesn't hurt anymore to do that yeah <laughs> yeah almost it's five months entering, now entering a new year without smoking man what a trip yep it's a freaking trip we should be proud of ourselves it's almost five months i think we're about a week off five months because we quit at the same time yep so. completely by accident which is hilarious yeah yeah, yeah. but then right. we're gonna take a puff of our e-face <laughs> Someone just hit my vape real quick. It counts. It fucking does. And there was like two weeks there where I couldn't, I couldn't talk, I couldn't sing, and I couldn't vape. And everyone's like, "Oh great, you're gonna quit." I'm all, "Fuck you." I just got off cigarettes. I was able to go nine months with a baby in me and immediately pick up a cigarette. No, it's gonna take a little bit more than two weeks of not being able to breathe to get me to quit the (laughs) nicotine altogether. Yeah, I would be really grumpy if I didn't have the nicotine. Yeah, but at least we have less of the the uh, carcinogens. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't said that word in a while. Yeah, carcinogens. Carcinogens. All right, so our episode today is about the apocalypse. Insert thunder crashing sounds. I'll try. You you should. Um, more specifically, the topic itself was actually Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which I gotta tell you, man, that's that's a topic. It's a it sure topic. is. Because in order to try and give you a good explanation of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, which I'm fairly sure I didn't do. <laughs> In all my research, I'm pretty sure I didn't do what you wanted me to do, Vance, the man who requested this topic. Um, Because, I mean, I'm pagan. Reading the Bible is not my thing. And I read like two thirds of Revelations and I'm, it's a lot, you guys. It's a lot. You could have just read the wiki. I, I did. But then I was just like, okay, so so seals open and four horsemen came out. And that's really it, you guys. That's it. What are the other three seals? Oh, wait, no. People don't know what we're talking about. So talk about it. And then I'll ask that question again. Okay. So here's what I wrote. So this episode was requested with the express interest in who, what, and why the four horsemen of the apocalypse is and are and why. 
This is tricky, as neither is, neither of us are Catholic or Christian, so the emphasis may actually end up being more on the apocalypse, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the four horsemen are described in the last book of the New Testament of the Bible, the book of Revelation, by John of Patmos, or what we, who we assume is John of Patmos. The text of Revelation states that John was on Patmos, a Greek island where, by most histo biblical historians, he is considered to be exiled as a result of anti-Christian persecution under the Roman Emperor Domitian. Okay, so here's where I get a little biblical. I, I got, like, a part of the way into this, and I was just like, oh, no, I am not going to transcribe the entire book of Revelations to you guys. But there were some fun things that I, I wrote here. Okay, so John himself describes himself as being exiled in Patmos, where he hears a great voice behind him saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. He turns and sees seven candlesticks. Seven is a very dominant number in this book. Apparently the dude is really big on numerology. Okay, actually, dumb joke aside, apparently the numbers are supposed to reference other biblical verses in previous texts, like Zechariah 7 and all kinds of stuff. Um, in front of him stands a dude in a golden girdle. His head and hair is white as snow, his eyes were aflame, his feet were brass, and the voice, and the voice like the sound of many waters. Fun fact, if you actually read the description of angels in the Bible, they all sound like spaceships. Oh, okay. Yeah, they all sound like spaceships. Spaceships? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they, there's like, oh, and he sat like a big golden disc hovering above the ground with fire coming from his feet. I'm sorry, y'all, that's a spaceship. Got visited <laughs> by a UFO. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> now... Again, as a pagan and a horror and fantasy fanatic, I get a little focused on the literal translation, the literal descriptions of things. Um, and the Bible is really hilarious for that. And I also want to make a side note. I am not trying to, like, make fun of the Bible. This is your thing. I, 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 I do respect it. I absolutely do. And it's actually really, all of this is really fascinating. But I just don't want you to think that I'm being an asshole just being like, the Bible's weird and stupid. That's not where I'm going with this. All right. So the angel goes on to tell John these, to tell these seven very specific churches. It tells you which church about how they're being shitty and why they're being shitty. There's like a whole chapter. The angel's going to tell this church that they need to stop uh, sticking their dicks and things and tell this church to stop spending all their money on, on dumb stuff. So it was very specific. <sighs> John takes these nuts down and then a door uh, to heaven opens to him. A voice like a trumpet blares out, hey girl, I got some things to show you. Literally, that's what it said. Mm -hmm. John walks up and is in the spirit, whatever that means. In front of him is what we can assume is God sitting on a throne looking like stone, like a couple different kinds of stone with a rainbow around him and a bright green light like an emerald. Around him are 24 seats with 24 elders in white with gold crowns. In front of God's throne are seven burning lamps, which were the seven spirits of God. In front of that was a sea of glass, and four beasts, this is, I love this, four beasts full of eyes, before and behind. The first beast was like a lion, the second a calf, the third a man, or the, the third had the face of a man, and the fourth like a flying eagle. All of these covered in eyeballs. Each had six wings, and again, full of eyes. They never slept and maniacally chanted, Holy, holy Lord God Almighty. 
So in God's hand, there's a book or a scroll with seven seals hanging out in the right in, in his right hand. An angel comes up and says, yo, ain't nobody can open this thing. Who here can pull the sword from the stone or whatever it is that angel said. And John was sad because it was looking like nobody was ever going to open this thing. Suddenly an elder says, don't worry. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. And he, so he hears that and turns around and sees in the midst of all the eyeball-covered freakimals a lamb that has been sacrificed to God. And can you guess how many horns it had? You guessed Six. it. <laughs> Seven. Seven. <laughs> he walks up, the lamb, walks up and snatches that book out of God's hand and begins opening the seals. So there are seven seals, and I'm going to tell you what they do. The first seal, and I saw, and behold, a white horse, that he had sat on him had a bow and crown that was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. This is the first horseman, mostly known as Conquest. We have given this horseman the title of Pestilence, and I can't figure out why. It's, I know. Thank you. Because it it goes from one thing to the other. Like, there's no reason for it, but it's just that conquest becomes strife, becomes pestilence. Okay. okay. So it's basically like, um, it that's the one that gets its name changed a lot. I noticed yeah. that. it It's like... Um, sometimes also known as Christ or the Antichrist as well. Yeah, yeah, it could be and, Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So there's like loads of things, but it, it's the one that's kind of vague. So it's yeah. conquest and pestilence and strife and Christ and the Antichrist. And then later when Neil Gaiman and uh, Terry Pratchett get a hold of it, they change it to pollution. Yeah. Which is <laughs> pretty fucking perfect, if you ask me. It was so good. <laughs> So yeah, there doesn't seem to be a reason for it. It just evolves over time. Okay, cool. Thank you. Because I was just kind of like, but it's conquest. So where's the pestilence coming from? Thank you for having an answer. Mm -hmm. The second seal. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. What horsemen are we looking at, you guys? War! And the third seal, and I beheld a low a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances, or scales, in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, Measure a wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. <laughs> Sorry, you glanced off. I'm like, I went like that because that wasn't the quote that I read, but it's very close to it. This is another problem when you're reading about biblical shit, is that different sources quote it differently because mm -hmm. in that one i was waiting for you to say um a, a, like a certain amount for a day's wages and then a certain amount for a day's labor which is what i'd read but yeah yeah you're it directly from a bible source so it's slightly different but by the time it's got to me it's probably been translated and interpreted three or four different times so you don't know which one. Oh, by the way that one's famine that one's famine y'all <laughs> Basically, people it is starving. incredibly frustrating. Yeah, yeah. So basically, people starving because other people are taking all their food. Yes. And, and we money. have famine and money. The fourth seal. I beheld a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. See, that's brilliant. But yeah, like I read that one and it said, and Hades followed close mm. behind him and he was given the power to kill by sword, famine, plague and wild beasts. 
Yes, that's right. Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I read all that. Yeah. I, I was writing this at two in the morning. Oh, no, I didn't mean to be like, <coughs> um, actually, I thought that just maybe you got it from a different source with a different quote. No, uh, I'm looking at the thing right here. I just thought it was funny that basically death is the, um, all of them combined, because he gets a sword, he can kill by famine and wild beasts, mm-hmm. um, he can kill by plague, you know, and he's like, basically like, yeah, he's shit hot. And the sky, the scythe doesn't come till later. Oh, yeah, like, much like later. added a lot, lot, lot later. So I was worried about that as well. Like, where did the scythe come from? But that's for another episode, I think. But death is basically the shit. Yeah, pretty much. He's got all the powers of the other three combined. It's kind of like the Megazord of the biblical world. Yes. And when they combine, <laughs> they shall be death. Exactly. <laughs> all right so the fifth seal i saw the souls of them that were slain for the word of god and for the testimony they held and they cried out because being dead sucks and the voice (laughs) said unto them chill out relax more of you're gonna die but it'll be worth it and it'll end soon so they were the martyrs basically yes okay and the sixth seal and lo there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of as a sackcloth of hair and the moon became as blood and the stars of heaven fell into the earth and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together and every mountain and island were moved out of their places and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains from god that's just cheating pretty straightforward frightening apocalyptic tone right there that's too much stuff <laughs> and then the For one seal. Seal. <laughs> and in the seventh seal there was silence for a half an hour and uh here's where it got a little weird because the seventh seal i think is something that's not supposed to be understood until the end until god brings heaven to earth which is what the apocalypse is from what i could wager and then there came seven angels with seven trumpets and then seven bulls the seven angels with the seven trumpets is kind of fun you want to hear about them yeah so there's not a whole lot to say other than seven angels popped out and they were given trumpets. And when the first angel blew his trumpet, there came hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and a third of all the trees and all green grass was burnt up. From the second angel, a great mount of fire was cast into the sea and a third part of the sea became blood and a third of all the creatures in the sea and a third of all the ships on the sea were dead and destroyed. From the third angel, a great star called Wormwood came and burned the third part of all the rivers and fountains of water. Many main, many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. From the fourth angel, the third part of the sun was smitten, a third part of the moon and a third of the stars, and day shone for not a third of it, and night likewise. From the fifth angel, a star fell from heaven, and to him given the key to the bottomless pit, and he opened it, and there arose smake, smake, And there arose smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. And from the pit came locusts. Okay, girl, biblical locusts? No joke. No joke. Mm -hmm. Okay. From the smoke came locusts, the size of horses, with crowns of gold and faces of men, with teeth of lions, and wings and scorpion tails with stingers. They were to not hurt them. (laughs) You don't fuck with that. (laughs) You don't fuck with that. 
They were not to hurt a single plant, but to only attack, attack men who had not been given the seal of God in their foreheads. Now, in earlier, uh, in one of the part of this revelation, um, one of these angels comes out and stamps basically every person that had been persecuted as a Christian with the seal on their head. Um, meaning like you died for this purpose or you're suffering for, for, for God and, and you will be safe. You will be overlooked. Your soul will be safe. So these locusts came out and they were to attack anybody who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads and they were not to die, but to be stung and suffer and beg for death without reprieve for five months. Oh, there's a time limit on it. They they were just, yeah for five months I I don't I don't know I don't know from the sixth angel loose four angels which were bound in the great river Euphrates to slay the third part of men there's a lot here about angels with horses that have lion heads but I'm not going to read the whole revelations to you um, and here's where I kind of just stopped because I was just I was starting to just basically translate the whole fucking book of Revelations um, I couldn't find the horseman again right literally that was it that's it out I of the four found... seals comes the four horsemen yeah that is all i found as well was the mention of them and pretty much everyone can kind of agree that the four horsemen and what they stand for is not particularly what they're bringing to earth but just sort of like the manifestations of what shitty life was like for people on earth anyway so there was this fun thing where i was looking up um the book of revelations for dummies okay (laughs) (laughs) and there's a cheat sheet and i thought this was really cute so here's here's me reading a little bit from the cheat sheet of the book of revelations for dummies so there's four thoughts on the the revelations apocalypse you have the preterist thought which is that Revelation speaks of things that are already in history. The book isn't prophecy about the end of time. It's directed at Christians trying to live their faith in the Roman Empire. This is the prevailing view among modern scholars who aren't aligned with Orthodox Christianity. So, like, the strength in this argument is that the observation that the book was intended for a first-century audience, right? Okay. It was intended for the people of the time. Um, but the weakness of this argument is that it fails to take seriously the idea that the Holy Spirit can reveal what's going to happen. So it, it just, that discredits the fact that John himself says really early on, this is a prophecy of right. the apocalypse. And then there's a historicist theory, which is that Revelation gives a bird's eye view of the entire sweep of the Christian church history uh, from, from post-Pentecost church to until Jesus returns. So the, the strength on this argument is that the conviction that God controls the course of history, but the weakness in this argument is that Revelation then has little relevance for its original audience. It's it's more for, written for people in the future. Um, is any of this making sense? Sort of. Kind of, sort of? Because I can skip this in a, way, in a way that the whole thing doesn't make any sense, and, yeah. and how, um, you know, yeah, just the whole thing's a bit bizarre, to be quite honest with you, because... They seem to have, I like morality that I agree with. Like uh-huh. these things are bad, y'all. Like, you know, uh, death, famine, war, conquest—they're all bad. And yet they are, um, they are things that the Satanist Church fight against, but not the Christian Church. 
Yeah, yeah. So weird to me. (laughs) Well, a lot of what I was sort of getting from this, and and like I said, I I read most of the Book of Revelations. I've read so much about this stuff, you guys. And I watched a lot of YouTube videos of preachers preaching this stuff and, and theologians sort of discussing this stuff. I was not slacking here. I was doing a lot of, of watching and learning and reading. And a lot of people are just kind of the Christian church at the time, particularly in, in this, this region were corrupt. They were, they were weak willed. It wasn't about the faith. It was about the money. And if it was about the faith, then they were being persecuted and killed. So it felt, and a lot of theologians sort of kind of agree that this was mainly a letter to the churches to get their acts together. And that that's what a lot of it felt like it was about. It was less about the end times. There's some great stories in here. But it was less about sort of the end times from a very in a very specific way and more just like get your shit together or else God will never give us heaven on earth. Yeah. And to do that, you have to avoid these things like these are bad things that you're doing, like conquest slash pestilence slash strife. Yeah. War and famine lead to death and misery. Well, and it felt like the Four Horsemen, again, I, I don't think that they were bringing anything. They were just a mirror to the awful shit that was already happening. Yeah, and and recognizing it as awful. Yeah. But yeah, this episode could very easily turn into a Bible studies class, which um, it kind of did a little bit. But that's that's, you can't not talk about that but basically the four horsemen like you said they kind of just pop out of this scroll and then they disappear into the ether so why they're so famous i don't know they're they're vaguely mentioned in zechariah book one i think but even then not specifically and that's that's an older text i believe um yeah the the that's that's it vance sorry Ain't much more than that. They popped There's... out of a seal opened by a bleeding goat. Yeah. Lamb. Well, I mean, the the takeaway is that the four horsemen show up just before the apocalypse happen. So yeah. if you if you see the four horsemen or you see the four horses, you know that the next step is about to happen, which is the um, all the people will start getting um, like tortured. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it as well. I thought it while you were talking, um, I was like, so why are Christians so upset when they're persecuted? Because it sounds as though they kind of have to be like, it's kind of a prerequisite. You have to have been persecuted in some way in order to not be tortured. So you'd think they'd be all like, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm really cool with you taking the words Merry Christmas off the Starbucks cups, because that means I'm being persecuted. But not like in a way where I have to like suffer in any way whatsoever. But I'm still yeah, being persecuted. It's, it's so a mild persecution. God's down for it. You know, he'll appreciate my sacrifice of not seeing Merry Christmas on that cup. Exactly. Mild <laughs> <Christmas>. <laughs> uh, Mikey, I'm sorry. <laughs> Certain types of Christians. Please, please don't take any of this personally. <laughs> Let's. Okay. This is perfect for just kind of segueing because what we can do is we can say that that's the history of the 
four horsemen of the apocalypse it's a biblical prophecy in which four really shitty things come out of a um scroll um held by god who's in the company of really weird creatures um (laughs) to predict the apocalypse and we haven't even talked about the antichrist because the antichrist is part of it as well which is why conquest is sometimes referred to as the antichrist it's so confusing yeah i don't remember where i was going with this statement but where i was going was let's talk about the apocalypse then if we can't talk about the horsemen let's talk about the apocalypse yeah so do you want me to go into my stuff i really do okay so I love data. I love data. And actually, if you want to be uh, pedantic, it should be data's. Yeah. I love data's. Data is a, actually the singular form, and data's is the plural form. But it just sounds so awkward to say I like data's. And plus, I just wanted to say I love data over and over again because it's true. Because he's hot. Because he's hot. And we're talking about something else now. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought I'd do a little data fiddling. Hot. Yeah. So. (laughs) What I did was I pulled the list of dates predicted for the apocalypse off the Wikipedia page. Mm -hmm. And did some data fiddling. So I took this list. And I put it into an Excel sheet. I know, so hot. Woo! I made a spreadsheet, guys. (laughs) And then I started to dive into that data and pull out facts and make little charts. Now, I only got around to making two charts, but I have spreadsheets and data information. And if if you want it, you can have it, but it's, like, really nerdy and really just, like, I don't know. Maybe we can post on our Instagram like a screenshot of a couple of the graphs or something. But I want to see I did... all these graphs. Okay. I did put a lot of work into it because it's not as easy as just like copy paste make graph. Like you have to do things to the information in order to make it make a graph that makes sense. Also, you can't just copy and paste a website. Like you have to. So let's just put it this way. It also took me a long time, a lot longer to to do that I was anticipating. You've but got to fondle cool. and caress that data. I, I got to really play with data. Yeah. You've got to really put your hands all over that data. And I really got some nice results. Nice. Facts. <laughs> Facts. Okay. So I thought the first thing I would do was find out in what century the apocalypse most frequently occurs in. Mm. <laughs> so uh, it turns out that both the claimant and the date of the apocalypse tends to occur in the 20th century so the most apocalyptic predictions occur in the 20th century nice. but I will recognize that it is likely due to a number of factors that this occurs the data is incredibly biased due to population proportion of profits within that population the public availability of the prediction literacy information migration and so on so you're going to get a huge huge data bias because it's not until like the 17th well like the 16th century that we're properly recording uh apocalyptic predictions so we've got a shit ton of time where 
we're not writing it down or at least the information hasn't reached our modern records Mm -hmm. uh you never know cave paintings could be apocalyptic predictions and we don't i bet there's more than a few yeah we just have no idea so the first occurrence of uh, an apocalyptic prediction obviously would have to be the first century because that's after jesus because there's apparently no um apocalyptic predictions before the new testament i didn't realize that well, but, people probably weren't too worried about the future. That was it was a lot of emphasis on the current. I suppose so, but I kind of expected there to be some like bad shit in the old Bible too. But correct me if I'm wrong. There are a few um, Jewish um, like rabbis and and Jewish theologians that are included in these predictions. So it's possible that their stuff is based on Old Testament stuff rather than new. I didn't delve into it as much as. Um, if I remember correctly, the word apocalypse is a Greek term for a Jewish prophecy type thing. Uh, blah, 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 blah. There's more information we didn't get. <laughs> yeah, there's so much information, you guys. So um, what I'll do is I'll just say, hold on, where's my graph gone? Okay, there are 191 predictions on the wikipedia list 191 (laughs) 64 of them occur in the 20th century but there's predictions in the first fourth sixth eighth ninth tenth eleventh thirteenth fourteenth sixteenth seventeenth eighteenth nineteenth twentieth and twenty first and that's excluding all of the future uh, scientific ones. So this particular graph does not include this, the the real things that are going to kill us. Yeah, yeah. Those come later because they're on the list of. I think it's kind of funny that Wikipedia is grouped in the um, how how the universe is going to kill us into the apocalypse predictions list, which yeah. is I find I find it quite amusing. Just um, numerically counting all of um, these predictions and putting them into centuries was the easiest thing I could do. Um, So at this point on, I needed to get creative. So I started to delve into the data and really rummage around data and really just get in there. (laughs) Sorry. And I wanted to find out the types of people who make apocalyptic predictions, how many of them have made multiple predictions, how many predictions are religious doctrine, how many of them were by philosophers, and how many are by fools, and so on and so on. So I had to really get it, I had to really get into that data, really get in there. But like I said, I love... But like I said, I love Data and I love fiddling with him. I mean, sorry, it. So (laughs) I didn't mind. I think we're both blushing, which is great. (laughs) So for the second chart, I went over all of the prophecies. So I read their prediction and I found out what type of person they were. So it's a type of claimant. Yeah. Um, Because I wanted to know basically what kind of people... um, prophesize the apocalypse yeah and it was kind of tricky because i had to come up with terms like it's a little bit subjective because some people could fit into more than one category um and in the end i have um i had to just come up with one that was like for miscellaneous people so it's called some dude or (laughs) yes 
And that, by the way, that includes women. A yeah. dude can be a woman or a man. I don't know if people outside of California really realize that, but a dude can be an inanimate object. It can be an animal. It can be a man. It can be a woman. It can be um, a feeling. So my dude, microphone is a dude. Yeah. Dude, get out of my face. Um, like loud noises are dudes. So it's just, <laughs> it's it's everything. So some dudes became the less sort of miscellaneous category. Yeah. But do you want me to go through the list of the different types of people that claim that that, that make um, apocalyptic predictions? Absolutely. <sighs> okay, let's go. <sighs> okay. Anglicans, alchemists, priests, ancient Romans, academics, astrophysicists, Joasites, whatever those are, columnists, that's I think a journalist, physician, rabbi, clergyman, linguists, hoaxes, Baptists, painters, biochemists, church prophets, monks, pyramidologists, Sikhs, MPs, that's members of parliament, mystics, Jewish sectors, popes, Lutherans, conspiracy theorists, religions, in general, paranoid colonial asshats, that's Christopher Columbus, he got his own category, evangelists, lunatics, Christians, various people, which just basically means a lot of people got together and agreed, theologian, authors, psychics, pastors, cardinals, anabaptists, cults, mathematicians, bishops, astrologers, astronomers, cult leaders, preachers, leaders of religions, I separated leaders of religions from cult leaders so as not to offend. Prophets, ministers, churches themselves, scientists, some Christians, founders of religions and churches, and some dudes. Nice. Nice. <sighs> who, who provided the most out of all of those? Some dude. Yeah? Yeah. So some dude provided 22 founders of religions 17 some christians which basically means christian groups 15 scientists 11 okay so those are your top five and that was some that was um, i'm glad that you said that because that's my first fact which is it's a very rare occurrence where religious thinkers and scientific minds have to coexist within the same data because yeah. they both share this in common they predict the end of the world which is fun as you would expect, most predictions come from the founders of religions and churches. I separated, like I said, I separated cults and cult leaders from religions, even though I did consider grouping them together. But I thought mm, if it says specifically that something was a cult, I took it out and gave it yeah. its own category. But, but I mean, if you put the popes, the the church leaders, the, the Christians, basically any uh, Christio-Catho type grouped together they probably were the mass majority yeah 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 um well yeah um with yeah it it just um i wanted to be i wanted to be as fair as possible by giving it kind of like a broad definition i think i accidentally skipped over the lunatic section as well because there's two people that made predictions and then later in life were um put in um, mental institutions nice so if i refer to them as a lunatic i literally meant that's because later in their life they were um committed committed <laughs> so there's two of them so there's like um there was like two two popes that came out with an apocalyptic thing i will go and i'll read some fun ones in a minute after i've yeah. done my um 
I'll do my little factoids, my little facts, and then I'll go and read some fun ones. Right. So just like random dudes. So you know how I had the the some dudes section. Yeah. So twenty two just random people made predictions. Like, and that basically is just maybe uh, you are a member of a church and you go up to your um priest and say I've had a vision of the end of the world. Yeah. Some of these things actually make their way into the popular culture. So 22 random people had visions or whatever or prophesized the end of the world and they've managed to make their way on this list, which is kind of, um, you know, basically, if you have aspirations in life and you want to, you know, make a difference in this world, why don't you just predict the apocalypse? Yeah, yeah. There's a few people that have done that. I'll get into that soon. Like I kind of skimmed over, it was a little bit of a joke, but I mean it. But Christopher Columbus himself made two predictions of the apocalypse. But I made him his own category because he's a dick. Does that include the one where he told the Jamaicans that uh, the the world would end if they didn't feed them and shit? No, these are the two predictions he made in his own books about the real end of the world. This doesn't even count all the times he lied about the end of the world. To get his way because he's a piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. Boo! Anyway. <laughs> so just some of the people that have made multiple predictions. There's a guy called Cotton Mather who was a Puritan minister. He made three. David mm-hmm. Burf, the leader of the Children of God, he's made two. David Mead, a comp- conspiracy theorist, he's made two. Edgar C. Wisenant, a random dude, made two. The Fifth Monarchists, a group of radical Christians, have made a couple. Harold Camping, another random dude, made four. Harriet Livermore, Livermore, a preacher, made two. Hubert W. Armstrong, founder of the Worldwide Church of God, made four. Hun Ming Chen, a cult leader, made two. The International Bible Students Association (laughs) made a couple of apocalypse predictions. I'm going to stop there because there's way more, but basically there's quite a few multi-predictions. Yeah. Are you curious what the man-to-woman ratio is? Absolutely. Okay. Out of a total of 191 predictions, how many do you think were made by women? 43. Oh my god, no. (laughs) 27. No. 13. Close. How many? 11 were made by women. One of which was a hoax. Nice. (laughs) A couple were probably suffering with mental illness. One is Mother Shipton, who was falsely attributed to her prediction. She never predicted the end of the world. That quote where she goes, the end of the world will come in one, eight, blah, blah. It never happened. Never, she never said it. And one of them is a scientist. Nice. So if you take those people out, so you take uh, the hoax out and you take the two people who were known to have been suffering from mental illness out, you take Mother Shipton out because it's a false attribution and you take the scientist out, you've got six. Wow. Yeah. Men be all doom and gloom. Yeah, guys just want the world to fry. So I'm going to go to my Excel sheet now because I have highlighted some fun ones for y'all. As I was going through the list of predictions, I just thought I'd highlight the ones that I thought you would find interesting. There are so many that Mm -hmm. it's impossible for me to know for sure which ones you find interesting, but I thought these ones were fun. Do you know the artist Botticelli? 
Yes. Well, Botticelli believed he was living during the tribulation and that the millennium would bring would begin in three and a half years from 1500, from the year 1500. And he wrote into his painting the mystical nativity that the devil was loose and would soon be chained. Mm. So Botticelli himself was making a apocalyptic prediction within his painting, the mystical nativity. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. Martin Luther, a German yeah. priest and professor of theology, predicted that the end of the world would occur no later than 1600. Didn't happen. Oh, uh-huh. by the way, all 191 predictions um, haven't happened. So wait, how yeah. many? Hold on, let me just check how many <laughs> were in the past. I think it's a hundred and. 175 haven't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, won't happen because they're in the past. So, you know, not not a good, um, what's what's the word? <laughs> not a good likelihood. Prophet- not good odds, yeah. It's like, yeah, not uh, good odds. That's what I was yeah. 170-odd like. or uh, 190-odd predictions haven't happened. It's not looking good. <laughs> right, so these are the two Columbus ones. Um, in his book of prophecies that he published in 1501, um, Columbus predicted that the world would end in 1501. Yeah. And then later, Columbus claimed that the world was created in 5343 BC and would last 7,000 years. So assuming that there is no year zero, that meant that the end of the world would come in 1658. Fucking wrong, Christopher Columbus, you dick. You idiot. <laughs> Um, the Connecticut General Assembly <laughs> of New England, they were together apparently having some kind of whatever Connecticut General Assembly members do. Um, the sky tea, turned I assume. <laughs> the sky turned dark during the day, and so it was interpreted as a sign of the end times. But then the primary cause of the event is believed to have been a combination of smoke from forest fires, a thick fog, and a cloud cover. <laughs> they totally thought it was the end of the world. Oh, poor guys. Yeah. A dude called Richard Brothers, he was a retired sailor, stated the millennium would begin between 1793 and 1795. He was eventually committed into an sail asylum. I like to imagine Richard Brothers is just like a mental sailor that's got scurvy. Yeah, syphilis maybe. Yeah, and he's just like, the end of the world is going to come. The end is nigh. So I thought I'd talk about a couple ladies. Mary Bateman in Leeds, England, which is not so far from me. In 1806, a hen began to lay eggs on which the phrase Christ is coming was written. Eventually it was discovered to be a hoaxed hoax you don't say the owner mary bateman had written on the eggs in a corrosive ink so as to etch the eggs and yeah. reinserted the eggs back into the hen's oviduct so she was <laughs> oh my god those poor hens i mean i really admire her commitment to the hoax but jesus yes and then this one's kind of sad because she was uh, like crazy uh, Joanna Southcott she was a 64 year old self described prophet and she claimed that she was pregnant with the Christ child and that he would be born on October 19th 1814 
Well, she died without having delivered a child and the autopsy proved that she had not been pregnant. So either she was like, or she was lying like deliberately and her dying was probably the best way of getting out of a really bad lie. You know, like when you've told a really bad lie and you're like, oh shit, how the hell am I going to... Yeah, I'm going to change my name. Yeah, I'm going to have to like move. Yeah. Um, but she's like, mm, I'm 64, I might as well just die. Nah. So, <laughs> that's how her thing ends. I've already talked about Mother Shipton, so I won't do her again. But apparently she was um, quoted as saying, the world to an end shall come in 1881. It's been said like loads and loads of times, but it it's like, it's not real. It was a yeah. complete forgery. Um, but even at the time, people knew that it wasn't real, but they, they still, people are gullible. The International Bible Students Association. Yeah, tell me about them. In 1918, Christendom would go down as a system to oblivion and be succeeded by revolutionary governments. Basically, the Christian church would fall and uh, to a revolution um, government. God would quote, destroy the churches wholesale and the church members by the millions, end quote. Church members would, quote, perish by the sword of war, revolution and anarchy, end quote. The dead would lie unburied. Oh, and the dead would lie unburied. In 1920, all earthly governments would disappear with worldwide anarchy prevailing. Yeah. I want to be a part of that. <laughs> this is why I'm an anarchist. Well, I'm down. I don't like the um uh killing people like perishing by the sword. Like I don't want to like hurt nobody, but no. I would like I would like a revolutionary government to take over from a Christian one and I sure would like um you know and then I'd like them all to go away as well. So like yeah. you know, cool it's got some pros and cons. <laughs> uh, I need to rest my voice. I'm going too shrill again, and it's starting to hurt my vocal cords. Did you, did you go into the 2012 phenomenon? Uh, yeah, that's coming. I'm going in um, chronological order. All right, cool. Um, oh, I'm up to 1956 right now. All right. Um, I thought I'd mention another another lady, Dorothy Martin. Um, she predicted that the world was to be destroyed by terrible flooding on the 21st of December 1954. She was the leader of a UFO cult called Brotherhood of the Seven Rays. Um, The fallout of the group after the prediction failed was the basis for the 1956 book When Prophecy Fails. So apparently there's a book based on it. So if you want to go out and read it, you can. But she's a rare example of a female apocalyptic predictor and also a female cult leader. So that's kind of cool. But at the same time, it's called the Brotherhood of the Seven Rays, which is really weird. Yeah, come on. Come on. All right. Another UFO prophet is a man called George Van Tassel. He said that the 20th of August, 1967, would mark the beginning of the third woe of the apocalypse, during which the southeastern U.S. would be destroyed by Soviet nuclear attack. And um, he claimed to have channeled this information through an alien named Ashtar. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, goodness. Oh, boy. Elizabeth Clare Prophet 
predicted a nuclear war would start on the 23rd of April 1990, with the world ending 12 years later, leading her followers to stockpile a shelter with supplies and weapons. Later, after her prediction did not come to pass, she was diagnosed with epilepsy and Alzheimer's disease. Oh. Yeah. I've got loads more, but you want me to go into the 2012 thing? I will have a look at that. Um, because I do want to talk about the ones that haven't happened yet, and I don't want to talk forever. So, um, yeah, I, I really wanted to get into the three apocalypses that I remember surviving. <laughs> yeah, okay, so fair enough. So there were quite a few in our lifetime, actually. There's been... Um, da, da, da. There are three that I remember with distinct clarity and mild actual fear. Right. Okay. So obviously, like, I'm not really going to go into like the Heaven's Gate thing and things like that, because like we have a whole cults. Um, oh, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Subject. But yeah, there was there's like the, the movement for the restoration of the Ten Commandments of God, which happened in New- Uganda in 2000, which was pretty tragic. And then there was uh, there was something that happened in Russia in 2008 with uh, Pyotr um, stuff where a bunch of people went in the cave and a lot of people died. That was sad. But yeah, there's been a few biggies. There was the big one that we remember is the 21st of December 2012. Y2K, baby. Oh, no, no. Yeah, the 2012 is the... Oh, all right. You want me to go to the, the Y2K one? Oh, yeah. Um... Right. So during and before the 1990, there was widespread predictions of a Y2K computer bug that would crash computers on midnight of January the 1st, 2000 and false mal- and cause malfunctions leading to major catastrophes worldwide and that society would seek to function. Also, Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins were Christian authors who stated that the Y2K bug would trigger global economic chaos, which the Antichrist would use to rise to power. As the date approached, though, they changed their minds. So apparently, <laughs> apparently, right before they were like, nah, never mind. Yeah. Maybe some people who were actually like, who told them how computers worked, <coughs> maybe convinced them that they were being overly paranoid. I like to think that the reason they changed their mind is that they started to become reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what was funny about Y2K is that it was like, I was I was a kid. I was fourteen, I think, thirteen. Y two K happened, and the whole build up to it. I'm all I didn't understand it. All I knew is that people were saying that there was a possibility that all technology would reset to zero, meaning that no, um, that all of the bombs would go off, and that all technology would just completely fail. And it would be an accidental just like world war of us just accidentally destroying ourselves because of bombs. Yeah, and- that, was, that was this Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. <clears throat> Jenkins. They're the ones that said that it would trigger global economic chaos. So it basically meant that all of our computer systems would go into such chaos that it wouldn't know how to not fire nuclear bombs and stuff. Like yeah, it would just like, start like triggering just, just shit. Engage and just shoot yeah. them out. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like 13, so I didn't know how those things worked, but it sounded really scary. <laughs> I don't remember giving a flying fuck. <laughs> well, I 
I, I think maybe it, it also comes from a place of being an empath where like I could pick up that people were nervous about it and being just a little teenager was just kind of like, well, everybody else seems kind of scared about it. And, and it just, that, that sounds logical <laughs> to me, a very uneducated kid. It sounded logical, you know, uh, and then, I can't remember how I actually felt about it, but I'm pretty sure that I didn't care because I remember what I was doing on the Millennium, but we'll get into that after you finish your your thing. It, it wasn't much of a thing. It was just, I, I distinctly remember going, I, I think I asked my mom, well, should we be worried? And she goes, no. Well, okay. If I had money, I'd still be stockpiling food right now, though, just in case. That's that was really all I remember. Just going, I really wish that I had a job so I could stockpile weapons and food just in case, you know, just in case. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that I was being cool because yeah. I was. A f- I I think I probably will have. I think this might have been very much at the beginning of our relationship because I think I just turned fourteen and I was a freshman in high school because I spent the millennium at my elderly nana's house watching it on the television and there was no alcohol there was nothing fun happening and I think the reason that we were there was because my nan was scared okay yeah so she lived up on the top of the hill with all the rich people yeah and she was like scared that there were going to be riots and stuff and I remember that's why, so my mom and my dad and me and my brother were all there for Millennium having a really boring New Year's because my nan was like, and I remember being kind of annoyed and a little bit sad that I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. And I remember if it's because you were doing something and I wanted to be there. Well, there was one New Year's Eve, we can cut, cut this out, there was one New Year's Eve, yeah, no, so it must have been the next year, 2001, when we were at party and we got shit-faced drunk, and that was when you first told me about how if a child um you were afraid of children if it stood up and started walking at you, you'd kick it into the fireplace and i was so drunk i almost peed my pants i was laughing so hard also the night that i proper made out with all night yeah and that was the first time i ever drank myself sober right yeah, yeah. oh yeah, that, was, I, that was such a great california teenager fucking suburban party yeah it really was it was perfect it's you could have filmed it for a movie it was freshman year i drank all the seniors under the table and six o'clock in the morning rolls around and everyone's passed out and i'm wide awake reading a book because i'm suddenly dead fucking sober yeah it was definitely you're right because 2000 will have been um the very last new years if you will that i was was no because we graduated 2004. Yeah, so the New Year's would have been when I was still at middle school. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so it was freshman year the next year where we were mental. Yeah. But <laughs> our parents knew what was going on. They knew we were at a party. They knew we were at a party. Uh, my parents knew what I was doing. They weren't stupid. Uh, I, I'm sure my mom made an assumption. I had an agreement with my parents. <laughs> there was anything going on that I needed to tell them. And that nice. I would be in trouble if I told them. You know my parents are cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Come on. I'm going to carry another, on. I love it. Another right. po- apocalypse I do want to bring up, because I don't know if was the rapture of May 21st, 2011. 
Right, okay. The Harold Camping one? The Harold Camping one. Or one of his, like, four or so. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he put, he predicted the rapture quite a few times. But I remember very specifically May 21st, 2011. And it was one of those things where, again, it's just like 99% of me knows that it's total bullshit. But there's that 1% of me is just like, oh, God, but what if? And um, so the next morning... On uh, the morning of May 21st, me and Tim woke up at like five in the morning and just placed clothes uh, as if somebody had been raptured out of their clothing. Yeah. All down Van Nuys. Um, So like on bus stops, we ran out into the middle of the street and left an outfit just sort of like draped in the middle of the street like somebody had been raptured out of the clothes while crossing the street. Yeah, we left out like eight outfits. That's funny. And also I have pictures. Yeah. Um, yeah, Harold Camping made four predictions. He made one for the 6th of September 1994. He made one for um, the 21st of May 2011, which he revised to the 21st of October 2011. And there's another one that um, I didn't pull the date over in the data, but it just says that there was um, uh, he there was an, a prediction in between the 1994 one and the May 2011 one, but yeah. yeah. Um, That's right. Uh, he extended it to later in 2011, right? Yeah, it did. He, when it didn't happen on the 21st of May, he extended it to the 21st of October, saying that um, his maths was off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. No, I even made a little video and posted it on Facebook. Like, I've just been raptured, you guys. Enjoy, enjoy hell on earth. I'll put, I'll gonna pull those out and I'll share those because those were fun. Yeah, and then there was the famous one, which is the 2012, uh, 21st of December 2012. I'm gonna keep it brief, but basically the 2012 phenomenon predicted the world would end at the end of the 13th Ba'achton, which was a Mayan philosophy. The Earth would be destroyed by an asteroid called Nibiru. Yeah. or some other interplanetary object, there would be an alien invasion or a supernova. Mayanist scholars stated that no extant classic Maya accounts forecasted impending doom, and that the idea... No. <laughs> the idea that the long count calendar ends in 2012 misrepresented Maya history and culture. Scientists from NASA, along with expert archaeologists, said that none of those events were possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was all bullshit. But then there'll be conspiracy theorists that go on about how, yeah, of course, like, there's going to be these subversive um, academics, like, that are going to come out and say that it's not real. And I say to you, fuck off back to your cave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fight me. but i remember also with that there was there was that 90 percent of me totally sure that it's full of shit but then there's that small little percentage of me is going but what if it happens like i i'm just i guess i think i'm just fundamentally so afraid of being there for the destruction of the planet like a general like a zombie apocalypse i'm not worried about utter chaos and anarchy i'm not worried about but like the planet exploding or giant heavenly um, objects smashing into our planet, that's that's something I really, really don't want to experience. Yeah, I've got a list of those. Those are the real ones we can talk about if you want to. But there's, like, more fun ones if you want. Which one do you want? The ones that are actually going to kill us or the fun ones? Um, 
let's end this on a high note and uh, let's talk about how we're going to die. Okay, so we're skipping over quite a few more predictions, but there's there's six there's six predictions um, coming up. So there's three predictions coming up in the 21st century and there's um, three predictions coming up in the 22nd century. But beyond that, we're moving into um, scientific predictions. Yeah. So we've got, um, I've also got a list of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven scientifically calculated possible um, ends of the world that does not include climate change. So okay. this is this is a apocalyptic event. All right. Okay. So I think that that was the criteria. Yeah, because apoc- uh, the the climate change is an accumulative thing yes. yes so these are like this is like a t- either a tipping point or an event yeah so um 300 years from now wr 104 a triple star is expected to explode in a supernova it is suggested that it may produce a gamma ray gamma ray burst that could pose a threat to life on earth should its poles be aligned 12 degrees or lower towards earth i don't like it <laughs> However, spectroscopic observations now strongly suggest that it is tilted at an angle of 30 to 40 degrees, and so any gamma ray burst should not hit Earth. Okay. But we learn more every day. It's mm. still possible. I don't like it. 500,000 years from now, according to uh, Nick Bostrom, an asteroid impacting with Earth. Uh, which would need to be about one kilometer in diameter to render humans extinct. It is estimated that such an asteroid hits the Earth about every 500,000 years. We've got 500,000 years until the next one happens because we're so close to, like, we're still so close to the beginning of the time of of when the last one happened. Yeah, yeah. But if if you're talking about, like, you know, each each block of life has 500,000 years to live, basically. Um, so don't and like if, that, if we don't get killed by a gamma ray, and if we don't get killed by an asteroid, we could get killed by a supervolcano. Oh, so the, geolo- <laughs> the Geological Society estimates that within the next million years, Earth will most likely have an, undergone a supervolcanic eruption large enough to erupt 3,200 kilometers square of magma, an event comparable to the Toba super eruption 75,000 years ago. I'm sure that means something to geologists. I do not know what the Toba super eruption was. I imagine that's probably what reshaped our continents. Yeah. Huh. But that is an est- that's an et- educated guess. Okay. If that doesn't kill us, in 100 million years... It is estimated that every 100 million years, Earth is hit by an asteroid about 15 to, uh, sorry, 10 to 15 kilometers in diameter, comparable in size to the one that triggered the KPG existence, which killed non-avian dinosaurs 66 million years ago. I love how specific that is, non-avian dinosaurs. The avian dinosaurs carried on. Technically, pterosaurs are not dinosaurs. And and that... that, uh, uh, there were no avian dinosaurs, there were pterosaurs. I learned this because my seven-year-old son is very specific in correcting me on this. Brilliant. Yes. I love it. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna summarize the rest of them. So if we don't get killed by a asteroid um, later, <laughs> another asteroid, in between 500 and 600 million years from now, we could probably die from a gamma ray burst okay. or a massive hyperenergetic supernova. If that doesn't kill us, the sun's increasing brightness and heat will eventually kill us within the next 600 to 800 million years because that it doesn't matter what we do about that. It's yeah. to do with um, the level of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Blah, 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 blah. It'll just get too hot. Yeah. Um, and the end of the sun's current phase of development is one to five billion years from now. So then it will swell into a red giant, which will definitely kill us. Yeah. And then all of the carbon dioxide will be sucked out of the, um, well, I want to say solar system, really, um, in 1.6 billion years, because it'll be all sucked inside the the red giant or something like that. Um, If that doesn't kill us, um, the Earth will um, and moon will probably be most likely destroyed by the falling sun in about 7.59 billion years from now. And now... We get into the end of universe predictions. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> 22 billion years from now, apparently, this is the end of the universe in a, something called the Big Rip scenario. Now, there's some sciencey terms here. I'm just going to read it. If you understand it, good for you. Assuming a model of dark energy with W equals negative 1.5, <laughs> observations of galaxy cluster speeds by the Chandra X-ray Observatory suggests that the true value of W is approximately negative 0.991, indicating the big rip would not occur. If you understand that, you are well done. You're clever, very smart. Clever. Very smart. I do not. Um, and then there's a uh, hundred and one billion years from now is the time estimate for the heat death of the universe, a hypothetical event in which the universe would diminish into a state of no thermodynamic free energy, becoming no longer able to sustain direct motion or life. Jesus. We should wrap this up. Yes, we absolutely should. So real quick before we end this, I do want to just throw out some things that if you're interested in the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and you like fantasy fiction, you should really read and watch Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. Um, You should also just read Terry Pratchett in general because he's amazing. Death is a predominant character in his series and possibly the greatest character in his series. So well worth a read. Also want to mention... Uh, shout out to a completely unknown author. I say this as I roll my eyes. Um, the Incarnations of Immortality by Pierce Anthony. So on a pale horse, bearing an hourglass with a tangled skein, wielding a red sword. Um, the Incarnation Inc- Incarnations of Immortality series by Pierce Anthony. Super fun. If you like that sort of um, thing, you should read that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Good Omens because my quote for today is from Good Omens. Yay! Um, I actually gathered a few, but I think that I'm just going to stick with the one. So right, well, Before I'm we do that, we should pick our topic. Some voice acting. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we're going to pick next week's topic. Mm-hmm. Next week's topic. Next week's topic is oh, 
catacombs and mausoleums. Yay! Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think I can find a couple ghost stories. We'll see. What yeah, happens. that's that's an easy enough topic. I'm stoked. It's um, it's very open, so people won't quite know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. We could be right. talking about anything. You never know what we, we never know what to expect with us. Except quality. <laughs> because it's true so true right can i do my quote now give me your quote baby listen croaked scuzz got something important to tell you the four horsemen of the apocalypse they're right bastards all four of them that's the quote yeah scuzz is the best scuzz is pretty great (laughs) and man i got to do some voice acting did you like my voice acting i did that was very good Good. That wasn't my voice, y'all. I slightly <laughs> altered it to make it a character. <laughs> All right, that's me done. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. All right, so um, if you like this episode, if you have any ideas on topics you'd like to hear us talk about, if you want to mention your own favorite apocalyptic scenario, please hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. We are easy enough to find also you can uh, send your topic suggestions to our email at zombiefishbowlpodcast at gmail.com we are on itunes we are on all the things please leave us reviews um tell your friends spread the word uh we're getting back into it this year is going to be a good one there may be a couple weeks where we're a little uh we're going to be figuring some things out as danielle uh devotes herself a little bit more to school we'll go into that next week i love you guys I'm so glad to be back. I miss doing this. I love you, Danielle. I missed your face a lot. Meow. I love you. <laughs> and I've with that, done one tonight already. And you want another one. Fair enough. So, uh, shall we say goodbye? I think I we should. <laughs> I was, don't, want, don't panic, Melanie. I... I spent two hours at the DMV. I don't have it in me to panic. No, I didn't even have the energy in me to tell you not to panic properly. Yeah, well, I I think we just covered so much apocalypse that uh, I'm I'm panicked out. Yeah, and um, I feel a little bit dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll see you next week, guys. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>